The opinions and views expressed in the OC show with Cameron Jackson do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. Orange County, are you ready? It's time It's time for the greatest radio show in all of Orange County What's it called? The OC Show Right here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Broadcasting live from the beautiful KUCI studios on the awesome, most wonderful, greatest learning institution in all of Orange County, the University of California, Irvine. I hope all of you out there in Orange County have got your lattes ready today and you're driving as fast as humanly possible in your SUVs because both are very chick, hip, and expensive. Oh yeah, baby. We are back. It is a beautiful day here in Orange County. Michael Corona getting his ass handed to him. Susan and Michael Schroeder wondering what does an Obama presidency mean for them? Now, for your listening pleasure, a dramatic monologue, Obama infomercial style, right now. Is conservatism dead? Well, that's the question that many are posing. Is conservatism dead with the election of Barack Obama, our nation's 44th president and first black president. Many conservatives and Republicans alike abandoned their party and voted for Barack. And now the leaders of the GOP are worried and wondering, what is it? What happened? How did we lose those voters? Is Reaganism over? And now, a dawn of a new day has begun. The sun shines. The nation seems headed towards a new path of liberalism and socialism. Because even though Barack offers so much to so many with so little. One can't look away from his voting record in Congress, in the Senate. But that that's the that's the wrong path to travel. We're talking about conservatism. Is it over? Is it dead? Well folks It's not dead. It's alive and it's well. It's not conservatism that's over. It's the Republican Party. It's it's the fact that the Republican Party has steered itself the wrong direction towards towards the religious right.
They've gone away from their ideals. Small government. Less government. They've moved to a party that has become more of how can government interfere in your life to restrict your life, which is not what conservatism is. Conservatism is government staying out of your life. It's about free market and free enterprise. Those ideas, they are not dead. They are alive and they are well, but what has happened is the Republican Party has moved away from those. They have pandered to the religious right. They have pandered to the immigration foes. They have not stayed true to what Reagan wanted, what Reagan brought in. And that is, is that you can have limited government and you can have conservative morals and you can have the Christian right, but they are not the overriding factor in the party as far as conservatism is concerned. so dramatic, isn't it? What is the Republican Party going to do now? How are they going to rebrand themselves? Have they lost it altogether? The answer is no. See, liberals, liberals, we'll cut the music now. Enough of this. Enough of my dramatic reading. Uh, you are listening to The O.C. Show. I am your uh, host, Cameron Jackson. Yes, that was my little dramatic uh, monologue there on his conservatism over in the Obama style of uh, infomercial. I don't know if you caught his infomercial when he did it uh, way back when, what, a couple weeks ago now? You know, heck of an election. Uh, everybody's asking, is conservatism over? What happened to the Republicans? Um, you know, I tell you, uh, conservatism is not over uh, by any stretch of the imagination. The, the nation always leans center-right. You look at what Obama had to do in the last couple of weeks of the campaign, he started to go down the path of right-leaning policies. Uh, the case in point, the, the tax plan, uh, that it's going to not affect uh, 95% of you out of there, out there. You know, he doesn't want to completely alienate uh, the right. And, you know, it's such a complicated uh, issue, what happened. Um, and there are some who blame it on Karl Rove and George Bush. They started down this path of pandering to the religious right so that they could get votes. And uh, some say that that's, uh, you know, that was a very pivotal moment in conservatism losing its path. Um, I think there's some truth to that. I think that uh, Karl Rove and George Bush, um, they thought that they could get more Hispanic voters by going soft on uh, illegal immigration. You know, illegal immigration, following the law... The, you know, either within the spirit or by the letter of the law. And, um, it, well, just that in and of itself is uh, a core conservative value. There's nothing wrong with that. Conservatives are not against Hispanics. Conservatives are not against anybody else who wants to immigrate here. Conservatives are against illegal immigration. Now, I know that we fall into these issues of, hey, well, you, you've got to have illegal immigration, otherwise our economy is not going to run. We need uh, low-wage jobs because nobody in America who's legal wants to take those jobs, so we have to give them to somebody. Somebody has to clean the dishes in the restaurant. Somebody has to pick the strawberries. Well, you know, uh, that's something that we do have to grapple with. But you cannot pander to them. You cannot just say, all right, we're going to unleash the... Uh, floodgates and let 25 million illegal immigrants come in legally just because you're here. That's not how it works. And they tried to pander that to that group, to that segment of the population to get Hispanic votes. They lost their base when they did that. They lost their base when they started pandering to the religious right. 
And unfortunately, then that paints the entire party as being wacko. It paints the entire party as being a religious right party. And what happened with Obama? How is it that Obama had a sweeping victory? Well, one, we all know the economy took a dump. That helped out. McCain just couldn't get his crap together his entire election. You know, it was hard to understand where McCain was coming from, what he believed in, what he wanted to do. Was he a maverick? Wasn't he a maverick? Uh, was he, you know, is he conservative? Is he not conservative? Who the hell is he? I don't know. I still don't know. At least with Barack, you know what he says. And what he says and what his voting records are kind of two different things. And he scares the hell out of me. I think we're all going to be uh, paying dearly for putting Barack Obama into uh, elected office. But I'm also torn on that one, too. Very torn on that one. Uh, you know, um, and going, getting back to McCain, too. Uh, the, Palin. Uh, you know, government. Gov- Sarah Palin was just a hellacious pick. He, he screwed himself with that pick. I think he lost a lot of people when he picked Sarah Palin as his running mate. And that just goes to his, uh, you know, he's, I've read reports that he's a gambler, that he's he's a a risk taker. And I think that's what he did on this. I think he rolled the dice and he took the risk without, you know, vetting her. And everybody's giving her a hard time now. I, I think they need to be giving him a hard time. You know, she is. She's a hillbilly from Wasilla, Alaska. That's all she is. She's a small town, small state governor. Small state in population. I understand landmass-wise is pretty big. But, you know, the fault of Sarah Palin is not Sarah Palin. Sarah Palin is just being herself. So she doesn't know that Africa is a, a continent and not a country. So she can see Russia from her house. That makes her a foreign policy expert. That's neither here nor there. The, the blame in Sarah Palin lies firmly in John McCain's lap. John McCain picked her. He didn't vet her properly. Uh, he made a wild-ass decision to put her in place. I think they thought that they were going to get Hillary Clinton voters, and I think they thought they were going to get the religious right voters with her. And uh, I think they fell flat on their face on that. And, uh, you know... I am, I'm happy to see that we have a, uh, the first black president. I think that says a lot about our nation. Obviously, he garnered a huge amount of um, Republican votes and independents, obviously. I can't remember now, uh, look at the spread here. I don't know if George Report still has the spread up, but it was like, what, 65 million to almost 55 million votes-wise? Uh, that's pretty darn significant. Let's take a look here and see if it's up. Uh, no. Nope, it's not up anymore. But that's okay. You get the point. I mean, almost by 10 million votes, he won. So, I mean, clearly, clearly, uh, his message was far more powerful than Obama's message. And I have to say, uh, you know, I'm not an Obama supporter. I, I don't think that he is going to do anything good for our nation as far as his policies are concerned. Last week, we talked about his tax plan. I had my father on, who uh, is a uh, CPA. He uh, studies these um, types of things with uh, taxes and tax plans. I mean, that's what he does for a living. He's a CPA, for crying out loud. Anyway, uh the the projection is this. See, Obama says he's going to lower the, or he's not going to raise taxes on 95% of America. And only on the 5%. Well, 5% pays 60% of the taxes. And even if you raise their taxes by 5, you know, whatever you're going to raise them by, you still can't cover the interest that we owe on our national debt. And our national debt in the next few years is projected to be, what, around $10 trillion? He's going to have to raise taxes on the middle class. It's going to happen. And that goes along with his liberal socialist tendencies and voting record in the Senate. 
But man, can he speak. I think Obama is going to go down as one of the finest orators of our generation. Did you hear his acceptance speech? I don't know how he's going to top that thing. I don't know how he is going to top that speech on inaugural day. It was unbelievable. I watched it with my wife uh, live as it happened, and it brought me to tears. Literally. I'm not kidding. It brought me to tears. It was an unbelievable speech. Unbelievable. It was uplifting. It was motivating. It was powerful. It was amazing. And it was like a homily. It was like a, a, a Catholic mass homily. I mean, it, you know, uh, yes, we can, he would say. And the crowd would follow. Yes, we can. And he'd speak some more. And they'd say, yes, we can. And then the crowd would follow. Yes, we can. I mean, it was unbelievable. I get goosebumps just thinking about it now. But that's the problem with Obama. He is marketing and selling us an idea. Something that is a beautiful, wonderful piece of pie in the sky. But there's nothing behind it. And we voted for what made us feel good. That's what Obama is. He represents what makes us feel good. It's about the white people feeling good about voting for the black guy. White guilt. And you know, while I'm at it, I've got an article on it right here. It came out just a couple days before the election. It was in the LA Times. Here it is from the LA Times. For some white votes, Obama's race seen as a bonus. Ah, white guilt. You've got to love white guilt. This is uh, November 3rd, uh, the day before. Reporting from Atlanta. Will Hairston, a white Virginian, admits it freely. When he goes into the voting booth Tuesday, he will take Barack Obama's race into consideration. It will be, he said, one more good reason to pull the lever for the Illinois senator. Quote, for me... The Obama thing is a giant step forward for America, he said. The 47-year-old's ancestors once lorded over black slaves as owners of one of the Old South's largest plantation empires. Electing a black candidate, he said, would show that we're not just the slavery nation, the Jim Crow nation. All right. Yeah, I, I'm, already I'm getting irritated with this. This is not a reason to vote for somebody into office. This is just an extension of Americans feeling that they need to have the appearance of whatever it is they think they need the appearance of to make themselves feel better about themselves. This is not good governance. This is not being a good citizen. This is just voting because it feels good. It's... It, Obama makes me feel good. It feel, I feel like now I don't have any more white guilt. This is the, uh, back to the article, this is the other racial dynamic that is shaping the opinion of some white voters. One that has taken a backseat to discussions of white bigotry. The reality that some whites regard a vote for Obama as a victory for diversity, an atonement for past sins, and a catalyst for racial healing. For many of these voters, the topic is difficult to discuss candidly. Nobody wants to be accused of shallow kumbaya motives. You wouldn't want to be, you wouldn't want it to be misunderstood, said Raymond Arsenal, a civil rights professor at... The University of South Florida, who supports Obama, of course he does. He's a professor. I don't know any professors who don't support Obama. They all support Obama because they're screaming liberals. It sounds like identity politics. But that is the change being levied by some conservatives. Or, excuse me, the charge. In the final weeks of the election, they have been asking voters to consider whether a vote for Obama based on his race is a betrayal of the ideals of a colorblind society. See, I think that is the wrong question to ask. All right? That is not the question to ask. The question to ask is, are you going to vote for somebody because it makes you feel good about yourself? It gets rid of your white guilt, whatever the hell that is. Frankly, I don't have any white guilt. 
So it gets rid of your white guilt so that you can feel better about yourself, so that you feel better about being American. Because God forbid, who the hell wants to be American anymore these days? George Bush completely ruined that one, too. Let's blame everything on George Bush. Don't let me forget, either. Uh, the renaming of the sewage plant in San Francisco went down in a ball of flames. So they're not completely out of their minds up in San Francisco, but I'll get back to that one in a little bit. Uh, moving along, moving along. See what the time is. Oh, okay, good. Uh, the rise of a major black candidate may be positive and transformational, said Colin Hanna, the president of the conservative issues group Let Freedom Ring, but Hanna contends that it is also an insufficient basis for choosing a president. Well, that's true. I can agree with him on that one. Because what you're doing is electing a policymaker. He is not a token. <laughs> Hanna's group has released a much-discussed web ad that he said was targeted at voters of all races. In it, a black man evokes the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr.'s famous dictum to judge people by the content of their character. Uh, my vote will not be based on race, the man says. It will be, uh, it will he- I will heed that wise man. Hmm. All right. Um, essentially, it goes on and on and on. I mean, the, it, you get the point. All right. Uh, we, we, can, we have to move away from this feel-good, touchy-feely, politically correct society that we have become. That is not, in the end, just like with Bill Clinton, you get what you pay for. And I fear that we're going to get what we pay for here. We have got a very charismatic, very intelligent, very young, very inexperienced man in office now. The highest office of the nation has gone to Barack Obama. And that is the core crux issue for me. He's inexperienced. He's got a hellaciously liberal voting record in the Senate. He has passed dealings with Bill Ayers, with um, who's his crazy uh, pastor that hates America. You know who I'm talking about. His name slips through my, slips my mind right at the moment. He's part of the liberal elite establishment. He's a very good speaker. He makes us feel good about ourselves. Maybe that's what we need right now. But I have this fear that he's going to spend us into oblivion. He's going to spend money that we don't have. He's going to promise. He's going to overreach. Well, if he overreaches, that's his problem. Uh, I mean, he has a fine line to, 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 uh, to travel here. I mean, he can't look like he's pandering to black people. By any stretch of the imagination. He can't look like he's pandering too much to the poor. He can't look like he's giving away too much. He can't, I don't even know how he can raise taxes at this juncture. How? How is the man going to raise taxes at this juncture and not have the midterm elections in uh, 2010 wipe out the Democratic lead that they have in both the House and the Senate? How? I think they'd be absolutely ludicrous to wipe out or to uh, raise taxes at this point. I mean, think about it, folks. Think about it. We're already in a economic shambles. And then on top of that, like our good governor, Arnold Schwarzenegger, like he says now, just as of yesterday, he's looking at $4.7 billion in tax hikes to end the deficit. And according to Schwarzenegger... Great segue into that. According to Schwarzenegger, the state hasn't spent any money, hasn't uh, increased spending in the last few years. It's just that revenues are declining now, which is a load of horse crap. It's gone from $40 billion in the Gray Davis days up to $100 billion. And you morons out there voted for the bond measures, uh, three bond measures that we're going to raise the general fund requirements now. Let's get back to that in a bit. We'll come back to that after a break. I'm going to take a quick break. 8.30 right here on KCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. When I come back, I'm going to talk about um, the latest Schwarzenegger's tax hike. I want to talk quickly about Larry Agron stealing the election. And I was in the... Um, 
I did part. No, I didn't participate in, but I went to the Corona trial and I sat in uh, for a couple of days, just for a few minutes each day, uh, to kind of get a feeling for what's going on there. So I will talk about that when I get back. You're listening to the OC Show right here, right now on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I will be right back. And welcome back. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is the OC Show, and I am your host, Cameron Jackson. And I am your Superman. Telling you the truth about what really happens here in Orange County, California, the nation, and the world. Oh, yeah, baby. All right, so uh, before the break, before the break, I was talking about uh, taxes. Taxes as it relates to you and me and as far as what Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, has said that um, he wants to do now. He's absolutely insane. Uh, This state is insane. Um, Let's get right into it. You know, Schwarzenegger now has come out yesterday and said that he wants to um, have a sales tax hike and uh, a cut in service. Uh, And that's what the man has on the agenda. Here from the LA Times, Governor Schwarzenegger unveiled a plan today for a steep sales tax increase, new levies on alcoholic drinks and the oil industry, and deep cuts in services to wipe out a budget shortfall that is expected to swell to more than $24 billion by the middle of 2010. The lynch plan of the the plan is a sales tax increase of one and a half cents on the dollar, which would raise ours in Orange County to ten and a uh, ten and a quarter percent um, here in Orange County. So we will be paying because right now we pay eight uh, eight and three quarters percent. Uh, one more percent when that. Yep, I'm right. So uh, ten and a quarter percent is what we will be paying here in Orange County. So for every hundred bucks you spend, you're going to have to spend uh, what another ten dollars. Um, on top of that. And that's the greatest thing. Uh, you know, f- frankly, folks, that's the best thing you can do right now. When everybody is in the doldrums, let's just tax tax more. More taxes. That's good. See, the government doesn't want to go in and make tax cuts, or excuse me, cuts in their, in their services and their programs. They say that's what they want to do, but they don't really want to do that. They want us. They want us. They want to screw us. They want to take money out of our pocket. It's our fault that they spent too much money during the good times. And now we have to pay them back for their idiocy. See, that, does, that should make, I don't care if you are a liberal or a socialist or a communist, that should make zero sense to you. That should be just mind-boggling to you. You should have zero uh, capability to understand how the government can do that to you. How? I, it, it makes no sense to me. I mean, here they are. They're the ones up in Sacramento spending like crazy. And the boom times are just spending money like mad, allocating money for this and for that. And then when it goes in the crapper, what's the next thing they do? They put their hand out. Oh, we need more money from you now. What? Because we're not going to cut services. The Democrats have said it. That's what the whole uh, issue was the last budget round. We just had it two, three months ago. Why were the Democrats holding out and not fi- and not going through with the budget? Why did the Republicans have to come in and block their budget proposal? Why? Because the Democrats did not want to get rid of anything. Nothing. They were they absolutely positively were not going to get rid of anything. And now, now what do they want to do? Instead of cutting the government and pulling back like they should be doing, they're putting their hand out. And they're saying, we want more. Give us more. We don't care. See, that doesn't make any sense. If you are in your own household and you are coming up with it, you can't deficit spend in your own household. You know that as well as I do. That leads to bankruptcy. And so now, you know, they're, they're telling us, well, you've got to balance your budget. You've got to, you've got to make things work on your end. But we, it's okay. We'll just ask you for more. Well, screw you. I don't have any interest in giving them more money. None. Zero. 
but they're going to force it upon us. Not only that, but they want to... Uh, they want to raise taxes on things like appliance repair, furniture repair, some vehicle repair, golf repair, golf fees rather, veterinarian services, amusement parks and sporting events are now going to get taxed. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Five cent per drink tax on alcohol. That's always good. Probably get a lot of money out of that. People will be drinking themselves silly anyway because they can't afford anything. And also a $12 increase in annual vehicle registration fees. That's good. They can always get around the vote by calling it a fee. Oh, and then they only want to do a number of significant spending reductions. But that's not going to account for much. Only $2.5 billion from schools and community colleges. He's also going to ask that state workers take uh, one day off a month and eliminate two of their state holidays. Whoop-de-doo. Uh, is proposing canceling dental insurance for poor adults on the state's Medi-Cal program and lowering subsidies to the aged, blind, and disabled. California's welfare subsidies, uh, subsidies will also be reduced. You know, it's, it's absolutely insane. What they need to do is cut back government. That's what they need to do. And fortunately, fortunately, we can get into this now. The propositions, you morons out there. Actually, I have to give you props on one, though. You did vote in... Uh, uh, 11. 11 was the uh, redistricting plan, and it looks like 11. Let's see where 11 is right now. 11 won. Very, very narrow margin, though, on 11. Only, uh, boy, by about 102,000 votes is all it got. 50.6% uh, to 49. That is the redistricting plan, so now we can finally have a... Um, a plan put into place where people who are independent of the legislature go out and redistrict this state and get rid of some of this gerrymandering. Maybe we can pull the state back into um, uh, flux. But you morons out there, you guys have got to be as dumb as a box of rocks. Here we are. We've got deficits. And what do you do? You, you approve one of the biggest boondoggles that is going to happen now in this state, and that is Prop 1A. I mean, you just literally just incends me i'm just out of my mind angry at this one by 52 percent you boneheads out there did this now for so the next 10 years actually it's probably going to take twice as as the next 20 years we're going to have to spend they say 600 million dollars a year out of the out of the budget out of the general fund now you've taken another 600 million dollars out of the general fund and it's going to be more like 1.2 billion because you have to always double what these projections are. So $1.2 billion a year now for the next 10, 20 years to build this high-speed rail line from uh, the south up to the north. I mean, what, do, do you have any idea what you've done? You've now taken $1.2 billion off the table. Boom, it's gone. Can't do anything with it. It's allocated. Done. End of story. Thank you very much for crippling us even more. The next one, you morons out there, did Prop 2. Let's just, I mean, if we're going to feel good and vote for Obama, let's make sure that the chickens that we eat um, can turn around in their cage. Let's just kill that industry. And by 63%, the state voted. And funny enough, when you look at the map, where are the counties that did not vote for this? All in the Central Valley. In the Central Valley and in the uh, northern central and the eastern, uh, upper northeastern portion, probably where all the chicken farms are. So now we've killed the chicken farming industry. That doesn't go into effect until 2015. Thank you very much. We only have seven good years left, and now they are going to leave. So you just killed off the chicken industry. Good. Thank you. Appreciate that. Nice diversification of the economy, you idiots. Uh, and the other one that you guys... Um, which one is it? It's the uh, children's hospitals. That Prop Nine. Oh, no, the, you know this one too. Um, the victims' rights. Come on, the victims already have tons of rights. Again, this one sweeping the uh, electoral. There, fifty-three percent. It wins. Again, you guys, victims already have plenty of rights. We don't need to be giving victims any more rights. Now you're going to give victims a say in how people are sentenced, how if they should be let out on bail. I mean, you've just complicated the whole criminal justice process even more so. And what the hell are you people thinking? Absolutely out of your minds. Uh, good to know, though, that you did have some. Uh, first of all, you didn't want Prop 10, which was alternative fuels and renewable energy, which tells me one thing. It tells me two things. One, 
you were either thinking fiscally on this one, and two, you don't give a rat's ass about the environment if you got to pay for it. Let's just, I mean, come on. If you've got to pay for it, you don't want it. You want cheap energy just like the next guy. You want to burn coal and oil as much as possible. Burn it down, baby, and start with the trees next. Whatever it takes to keep my energy rates low. I, you know, you say a lot with that. Uh, let's go. Prop 11. Oh, the other bonehead one was the Prop 12. Another feel-good ballot measure. Sweeping across the state, 63%. Let's give veterans money for their homes. Yep, let's just do it. It's no big deal. It's all good. Hey, what is it? I don't know, $600 million again out of this general fund? $600 million out of the general fund now. Done. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Allocated. Got to give it to the veterans. I'm not saying that they haven't done a good job. I'm not saying that they haven't served their country. But, hey, nobody twisted their arms to go and be in the armed forces. It's an all-volunteer armed forces. I appreciate what they did for the country, but it's just like cops. I went out. I was a cop. I did my time. I served my my uh, say many. I served my country, but I served my city, San Diego, and I don't get any special handouts for that. I put my life on the line every day I was out there. You think people in the armed forces have their put their um, lives on the line every day, every day that they are working? No, they are only in country for a short period of time. When you consider the entire length of service that they do, I'm not downplaying it. I'm not making. Uh, I'm not minimizing what they do for us. What they do is extremely important. I have greatest respect for people who go into the military. But again, again, nobody twisted their arm to get there. And I think cops put their lives on the line far greater, far more many times a day than anybody in the armed services. And nobody's giving handouts to the cops. So that's my feeling on that. Um, Let's see here. What was the other one? Was the, the, the uh, was it seven? No, oh, seven was a renewable energy. Energy that one was uh, swept off the table again too. Sixty-four uh, percent said no. Of course, again, the state is saying once again we don't want to pay for clean green energy. Uh, oh, Prop Eight. Everybody's up in arms over Prop Eight. I think it's absolutely hilarious. I mean, I voted no on it, but I think it's hilarious that it passed. I have zero clue. Zero clue how it is that a state that votes so blue can vote so red on this issue. I just have no idea. I think it's the Hispanic vote. And there was a, 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 a segment on NPR yesterday about uh, black people. Black people who showed up in huge numbers, especially in L.A. L.A. had an 83% turnout, period, total across the board for voting. That's huge, 83%. And they have a huge African-American population there. Black people actually voted... Um, <laughs> Uh, yes on this one. Can you believe it? I mean, people who've been, quote-unquote, persecuted, uh, uh, enslaved, and just beaten down for the last 200 years in this nation, uh, they don't want gay people to be able to get married. So go figure. I just think that's absolutely the hypocrisy of that uh, makes me laugh to no end. I, I, I love it when you people are absolutely um, hypocrites. So... Uh, where is it? I can't find it. Prop Was it Prop 5? Nah, it wasn't Prop 5. Anyway, the one uh, that gives $600 million a year, boom, off the table. Uh, I don't know if it's a year, but it's like $600 million. No, it's almost a billion dollars to um, children's hospitals. Hell, they haven't even finished the last $600 million we gave them. There's still $300 million waiting there for their last time we voted this in, and we just did another billion. What the hell? You people are insane. And then you dumbasses up in uh, L.A. I know we're not L.A., but in L.A. they voted in like, what, eight, nine billion dollars worth of more taxes. They voted in a seven billion dollar public school bond. Oh, my God. They have more money to to, uh, create worse students. So that was uh, the rundown there. The state, you know, for president, if you want to look at this, the state voted 61% for Barack Obama and only 37% for John McCain. So um, just a huge, huge margin for uh, Barack Obama here in California, which is no real big surprise. Um, you know, Orange County, Orange County was, uh, what did we do? We had 51% for uh, John McCain, 47% for Barack. So... Obviously, we, we uh, kept our redness, barely, but we kept our redness here in Orange County. Uh, so, 
getting on, moving on, because there's so much to talk about today. Um, and I don't have very much time left. Uh, God, this hour goes by so quick, doesn't it? You know, uh, we had the Irvine election here that I covered uh, quite extensively. And unfortunately, um, or fortunately, whichever way you look at it, we have the first Korean mayor. Uh, big deal. Suki King, who gets most of his money from uh, Los Angeles. Um, why he runs here, I have no idea. Uh, Christina Shea lost. Um, and it just goes to show you that uh, Larry Agron is a campaign machine. And he bought this election. He stole this election once again. I think when it's all said and done, I think he spent about a million dollars on all the slate mailers and everything that he sent out. Uh, I mean, that's just astronomical. That's huge. And this, uh, when we only have $413 uh, campaign limits. So, uh, you know, uh, I, I guess if you look at it from a, uh, uh, what would you say? If you look at it from a political Machiavellian standpoint, hey, he, he did a good job. He, he kept his slate up there. Um, it's basically musical chairs. Everybody's still there. Um, Suki King is now the um, mayor. Christina Shea goes back to being on the council. Beth Crom is going to be a council. Larry's on the council. And Stephen Choi beat out uh, Todd Gallinger. It's good to see, though, that Margie Wakeham actually uh, beat out Todd Gallinger by just a hair, uh, 0.1%. So, um, you know, look, when you've got a million dollars in your coffers and you can spit out uh, lies and propaganda for three months prior to election, unfortunately, unfortunately, the uh, citizens of Orange Ca- of Irvine were suckered in by that, and they decided to go with Agron on that one. They decided to believe what they, what they read, the political propaganda. And unfortunately now, Agron is going to use this as a justification. He's going to say, oh, you pass Measure R, the Great Park. Everybody wants the Great Park, and you pass Measure S. So now I can do whatever I want secretly in uh, you've made it force of law. So now he can be even more secretive than he's been in the past. How do you like them apples? Huh? Sounds good to me, baby. More secrecy for Larry Agron. He's just maintaining his grip on power, and he's going to say that everything that you did was an affirmation of him and his policies. Which it's not. It, you know, for you, Larry Agron, it's not an affirmation of you. It's the fact that we're idiots and morons in Irvine, and we believe everything that we read that gets sent to us in the mail. And it just so happens that your lies and propaganda were far greater than everybody else's. I don't know if you should be proud of yourself. I wouldn't be. I think you're a disgrace. Uh, you know... Uh, the San Francisco, they had a measure on the ballot up in San Francisco. It was measure... Looking for it. Measure R up in San Francisco. It was renaming the Oceanside Water Treatment Plant. They were going to rename it to George W. Bush um, Sewage Plant, basically. That's what it is. It's a sewage plant. And so I was really interested in this one. I'm also interested, uh, was interested in the K, changing the enforcement laws related to prostitution and sex workers. Essentially what they wanted to do was uh, legalize prostitution in the city. So they had the two crazy ones for them were K, actually all of them for uh, San Francisco are always crazy, but um, K and um, what did I say? Where the hell did it go? Doesn't matter. K and R. There you go. So K and R. Um, let's see if uh, San Franciscans are crazy as we think they are. Let me go through here. K. 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 Ah, no. They voted no by 57%. It was a squeaker. For San Francisco standards, I'd say that's a squeaker. They did not want legalized prostitution. And amazingly, I thought that this one was going to pass and they would be the laughing stock of the nation. Measure R was a no by 69%. So cooler heads actually prevailed. They are a nation of, uh, or a city of somewhat civilized people. They did not vote in the R measure, which would have renamed their sewage treatment plant to George W. Bush. So I guess he has not completely alienated himself. Or maybe they just felt so bad about doing something so mean that that's why they did it. That's why they voted it down. I, I would tend to think that it was because they felt bad about it. Not because they don't, the, the, their hatred and dislike of Bush, uh, just, they would have felt bad. And it's about feelings, folks. Remember, Obama is about feeling. It's feeling good about ourselves. White guilt, gone. Baby, I can feel good. I can say whatever I want about black people now because Obama's the president. Oh, doctor, I love it. Oh. All right. Okay. 
Uh, I don't need any notes for this one because um, I lived it, baby. I lived it. I breathed it. Yes. Mike Corona. I was at the Mike Corona trial. Um, proof is in the pudding. If you look at Frank McAdite's column on, I don't know, was it Tuesday or Wednesday? I am, quote-unquote, a celebrity now. That's all I have to say. Thank you very much. I am a celebrity here in Orange County. According to Frank McAdite, I was in the celebrity sightings portion of his article. You can go check it out for yourself. Um, anyway, uh, that aside, um, so I went in on I mean, it was Tuesday and Wednesday. I went in for about 10, 15 minutes each day. When I was there on Tuesday, it was Lisa Jaramillo uh, who was testifying. And then on Wednesday, it was uh, Greg Heidel. Or no, Don Heidel. Greg is his son. And um, Don was uh, in, um, you know, I, I, I found it interesting. The first day I was in there with Lisa, uh, she was getting cross-examined by the defense. Uh, Brian's son, who is this Jones Day rock star attorney who got Wenho Lee off. If you remember, Wenho Lee several years ago was uh, accused of espionage, spying for the Chinese, um, and Brian's son got him acquitted of that um, charge. Well, um, he is now the lead attorney on the uh, Corona case, and can I just tell you, now, I, you know I'm a private investigator in my real life, and I have um, been witness to many trials. Um, as a police officer, I was witness to many trials, and as a uh, private investigator, I've been witness to several trials. So I have a pretty good sense of when the prosecution has their crap together and when the defense has their crap together. And I also have a very good sense of when they are completely just, you know, effing their way through it. And uh, I have to say that I was very unimpressed very unimpressed, and I know that I am biased on this, but I was very unimpressed with Brian's son. I thought he was disorganized. I thought he was uh, bumbling along. Uh, his questions weren't that good. Uh, and that could be uh, a, a couple of reasons. One, there is a voluminous amount of information in this case. Um, you know, it's hard to remember all of that. Number two, um, you know, his client's guilty. He what do you do when your client is guilty? How many good questions can you ask when your client is guilty? When your client is just stinks to high heaven? When he's a racist, a bigot, and a sexist? Uh, what do you do with that? You, you can't do anything with it. I mean, you, you can't really ask any good questions. And I see what they're trying to do. They're trying to show that everybody else around Mike Corona is the liar. George Jaramillo's a liar, Lisa Jaramillo's a liar, Don Heidel's a liar. They're all liars. All these people are liars. But what they fail to say, of course, because of their defense, and hopefully the prosecution brings this up, hello, who did Mike Corona seek out? He sought these people out. They didn't come to him. He went to them. And that has been displayed over and over again in the testimony of Don Heidel. I went into court on... Um, on Wednesday, when Don Heidel was up there, and there was a tension in the room. Uh, you know, the, the jurors were paying attention. Um, Don Heidel was up there. He looked like he, uh, this was the last place he wanted to be. He, he did not look happy to be up there at all. Um, and, you know, Corona kind of had his, still had his cockiness. He sits there, and he looks over. He'll look at the, the, the witness on the stand, and then he'll look over at the prosecutor. When the prosecutor asks the question, then he'll look back, and he'll take notes. And he's got this kind of high horse. Uh, he sticks his chin up in the air, and he, and, he, and, he, and, he, and he, you know, kind of looks over his nose at the person. It's, it's kind of this condescending look that he has. Um, you know, a couple of times they'll, they'll chuckle and whatnot over there. Um, he's got two attorneys, Brian's son, and I don't remember the other guy's name. Um, he's always got this, this other defense attorneys, um, got a shaved head and he's always got this like crappy grin on his face. Like, <laughs> jokes on you kind of, I, you know, that's the feeling I get from him anyway. Um, the jury, there's, uh, they're all old guys. There's one young black guy on there and one lady. Um, and uh, they look like they're paying attention. They, you know, uh, I, some people in the media are a little worried about the fact that they've got this all-male jury. My wife is worried about the fact that they have this all-male jury. They're all old guys. But I have been told uh, by a source that's been uh, covering the trial uh, for the last 
you know, till, since it started, that yesterday uh, during Heidel's testimony, um, Corona wasn't doing too well, and that it was uh, it was taking a visible toll on Corona. And uh, they played some tapes yesterday where um, they talk about end money using the N word, racist. Um, and uh, it, it's not going well. Don Heidel didn't have anything uh, that helped him yesterday. And uh, I can tell you that his wife is in there every day. Debbie sits in the front row or the next to front row. They can't sit right in the front. And then there's the other lady, um, Deborah Hoffman, who's the mistress, the alleged mistress of Mike Corona. She sits at a table behind Mike. And um, they look like hell. They look like they've been hit by a train several times over. Uh, if you compare pictures of them in the newspaper to the glory days when their smiles and, and uh, life is good and they're taking their bribes and whatnot, um, they, they look like uh, good people. Uh, not anymore. They really look railroaded. Um, this has taken a toll on them, which I'm glad because, you know, they raped us. They raped us for uh, nine, ten years, you know, and uh, they're on the chopping block, as they should be. So um, I'm happy to see that they're there. I hope he goes down in a ball of flames. I think he is. I think um, I don't think there's anything that they're going to be able to do. And, you know, I only have a couple minutes left. Uh, what are Susan and Michael Schroeder going to do now? Obama presidency, nobody in the White House or the Justice Department to shield them from all their antics. This is what? Corona's now what? The fourth or fifth indicted official that surrounded himself or that has been linked to uh, Mike Schroeder? Oh, baby, what are they going to do now? Who knows? Who cares? Uh, well, actually, I care. I hope they go down a ball of flames, too. They're crooked. Oh, my goodness. Can't believe I said it. Uh, anyway, um, hey, you've been listening to the OC Show right here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I am your faithful host, always here every Friday from 8 to 9, telling you how it really is here in Orange County, um, doing the best job I can to get the truth out there to you. Uh, let's see here. What's coming up next? I will tell you in just a second. Is that Career Quest? Student of Life. Student of Life is next with Judy Alexander. She's coming in right after me. Folks, have a great week. I will be back next week as always. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine.